It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mike? Give me a mic. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to a Monday episode number 1203. Right next to me is the person who's so happy it's Monday. Kimmy! I got one name! Janet! Hello, everybody! Hello, everybody! Hi there, I am your host, Patrick Riley. You diabolical beast! Yes, that's me. And right next to me is a person who's not a diabolical beast. That is Kimmy. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. And welcome to this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Thank you very much. Now, I'm surprised you showed up. It's a Monday. I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, Monday is here, Kimmy. Aren't you happy? No. Oh, come on. Put on a happy face. It's <laughs> a Monday. Come on, oh. you know. It's yes. a Monday, yes. And Monday, April 3rd, which makes it even better because you know what? We got a lot of things planned for the month of uh, April, uh-huh. uh, some things coming up here, and we will be talking more about those on future episodes of the Riley and Kimmy Show, uh, one of them being the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention, which is happening April 23rd. You can buy tickets right now, save money for uh, for admission, go right to their website, and you can pick up those tickets and you know uh, get ready to have some fun. And the website is Daytona Beach Comic Convention. Dot com. Now, by the way, we need your help coming around the corner. They have not announced it yet, have they, Kimmy? No. Uh, okay, they have not announced it by the time we record this show. But the Spacey Awards will be doing round two. This is, like I think, the final round, right? For the best of uh, so. uh, podcast slash blogging. And we're up in the running uh, with just a great group of individuals. And we need your help when they uh, when they start asking for the, that voting. We'll, we'll need you to vote. So be sure to check out our Facebook page. We'll have that uh, that poll available, that place where you can vote, right on our Facebook page and also our website. And you can go right to our website for social media links, like that that voting once it happens. Our web address is RileyandKimmy.com. Kimmy, it is a Monday, April 3rd. Are you willing? Are you able? Do you want to play Nerd and Pop Culture Geek Trivia? Absolutely. <laughs> And we have messed up the uh, the timeline. That's right. Just like I keep any anything in the Batcave, it, it is. Uh, I, I have a certain organizational skills. I, I call it I call it organized. Kimmy calls it clutter. That's what we've done with the timeline. It's all cluttered. It's all over the place. So feel free to shout out answers to Kimmy. Help her. Uh, you maybe even just uh, hold up the uh, electronic device you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on. Uh, maybe near your your head or something. Not right at it, but you know near it and you know send that that answer to her ESP. She is psycho. I mean psychic, and she can get those answers. And by the way, you can listen to the Riley and Kimmy show on just about anything. That's right, because we are mobile and we are global. You can hear us anywhere on planet Earth, on laptops, desktops. Cell phones, yeah, you know, smartphones, and, and uh, you know, all other 
tablet and computing type devices. Be sure to tell your friends you found a place for pop culture escapism, a brand new daily show. That's right, daily, brand new show every single day. A variety show that is around the world of nerdum. Now, with that timeline being all jumbled up, Kimmy, we've done that because uh, you're really, really smart, and we want to make this kind of fun. It is a Monday, and we have a complimentary can of generic luncheon meat just for participating today, and we hope to top it off with something else better if you win more. Wow. I know. Just hold back there, that big wow. Um, we, we will... <laughs> We'll put you in the running for something better if you get more of these right than wrong. How's that? Okay. Maybe we'll, matter of fact, tell you what, we will get you a special collectible from the from the Daytona Beach comic book convention coming up if you get more of these right than wrong. Okay. All right. Uh, isn't that All a right. fair deal? All right. It is a Monday, April 3rd. call was made on this date in history. Kimmy, you give me the year that this happened within five years. The first handheld cell phone mobile phone call is made. Now, that, not, don't be confused with the mobile phones that were in cars. You know, like Canon had a car car phone and some other mm-hmm. TV characters did too. Mm-hmm. Now, we're talking the handheld cell phone. The thing was the size of a house. Um, and you could make this call walking around. You weren't tethered to the car or anything like that. When did this happen? I'll tell you the location. It happened in New York City is when the call actually, or where it occurred. Can you give me the year that this happened within five years? 1985. Wow, 1985. Now, I'm surprised you actually guessed that late, although cell phones were not prevalent until probably the 90s when mm-hmm. you started seeing those. But actually, 1973 is when that happened. It's really close, actually, to the time period when the, the first email actually happens, too, which is kind of interesting. It's 1973. Mm-hmm. So on this date, TV Guide was published for the very first time. Did this happen? 1949, 1953, 1960, or 1969? Don't know if I want to part with that one, though. Yeah. I think I might hold on to that one. I used to love getting the TV guide in the mail. Why? Crosswords? What? What are you talking uh, about? Crosswords and just seeing what was going to be on TV. Oh, boy. That... Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, didn't... Where you grew up... When I was a kid. Yes. Where you grew up, up in the, the tundra, uh-huh. did they have the TV listings? Like, did they do that in the newspaper where they print out a TV... Their own version, like, of a TV guide? Yeah, I think so. All right. Remember how lame those were. Mm-hmm. Going, back, going back to trivia here, it was on this date, 1776. George Washington receives an honorary Doctor of Law degree from Harvard College. It was on this date, 1860. The first Pony Express riders left St. Joseph, Missouri and Sacramento, California. Now, the trip across country took how many days, Kimmy, for the Pony Express? How long did it take them? Um, 60 days. It took 10 days. They rode, they rode, they had horses, little uh, stations where they would change horses and just keep going. Oh. That was the thing. And if I remember right, the, the ad for the Pony Express, I haven't seen this in a while. They, they looked for somebody who was, I think 16 years old was the age that they were looking for, 16, 18, and without family. 
mm. because you were traveling into some very dangerous territory. And, well, you know, you may not come back. Now, the Pony Express only lasted about a year and a half. The railroad and stuff would cause it to diminish. But that, about a year and a half. Hmm. Pony Express. I, You know, I've ridden a horse, and I like going horseback riding, but I wouldn't want to ride at that speed. Can you imagine mm. what they had to be riding at? Mm -hmm. It was 1910. Alaska's Mount McKinley, the highest mountain in North America, was climbed. It was on this day, 1936, Richard Bruno Hopman was executed for the kidnapping and death of this aviator's son. Can you tell me the name of the aviator? Charles Lindbergh. That's right. And there are those to this day who believe Hopman may not have done it. It's a, it's a big murder mystery and possibly, there, and I'm not the one saying this, but possibly there was those involved in the actual Lindbergh household uh, with the, the death of the child. It was on his date, 1956, Fred Astaire appears on television for the first time on The Toast of the Town. That's actually the Ed Sullivan Show. It was on his date, 1956, this singer, this entertainer, performs on The Milton Berle Show. Kimmy, he does three different songs in 1956. You know two of them. One of them I'm sure you don't know, and that's the one we're going to play a sample of. Identify who this singer is. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. I went to the window, I peed through the blind. And that's one I does not get much airplay over the course of time. Can you? Well, it did when it was out, but uh, not uh, you know decades later. Can you tell me who that recording artist is? Elvis. That's right, with Money, Honey, and he also performed Heartbreak Hotel and Blue Suede Shoes. And by the way, they did it live from an aircraft carrier, the USS Hancock. And that, that's kind of amazing in 1956. So on this date, 1959, the BBC bans this group's song because of a word in it. Two weeks later, they change their mind and say they, they will play the song. Please, I know you cannot tell me the name of the group, but you can tell me the name of the song. Here is the song that was banned. Who's always throwing spitballs? Guess who? Who, me? Yeah, you! What is that song, Kimmy? Charlie Brown? That's Charlie Brown by the Coasters, banned because of the word spitball. Where he says in there spitballs. Oh. They they banned they didn't like that. They thought that was nasty. Huh. You know, spitballs nasty. Might cause youth in Great Britain to actually start, you know, doing spitballs. So banned for a while. Huh. Two week ban. That's in nineteen fifty nine. It was nineteen sixty five. Now when you think about the year why this is kinda interesting, nineteen sixty five, this song is released, it becomes a hit. But think about what 1965 is all about, the, the, the counterculture that is just brewing right there. You have the British invasion, which has already happened. You have the, the surf music scene, which is maybe starting to wane. And, you know, you got the hippies starting to, to come into effect. But this song goes big on the charts. That's Wooly Bully. Kimmy, you will get bonus points if you can even tell me the name of the group that recorded that song. I don't think you can. I could probably ask one in 10,000 people and they could not do that. Can you tell me? No. Nope. Sam, the Sham, and the Pharaohs released that in 1965. Yes, it was a hit. It was 1968. Martin Luther King Jr. delivers his mountaintop speech just 24 hours before he 
he was assassinated. It was on his date 1969, the lead singer of The Doors was arrested by the FBI for interstate flight. It stemmed from obscenity charges after a Miami concert. Can you tell me who that lead singer was? Jim Morrison. That's correct. It was 1972. Charlie Chaplin returns to the United States. He returns after a 20-year absence. 1975, Bobby Fischer is stripped of a world title for refusing to defend it, Kimmy. He won't defend his title. What was his title in? Chess. That's right. Yeah. Checkmate for him on that one. Mm. Yes. It was on his date, 1978, Cher's TV special with Rod Stewart aired on ABC. I bet that was fun, don't you? Wow. Yeah. And it was mm. on this date, 1979, she became the first female mayor of Chicago. Can you tell me her name? Ooh. Yes. And John Records Landaker at WLS did a song about her. I can't. Can't do you, it. you can't do it. Mm-mm. 1979, Jane Byrne became the first female mayor in Chicago. So on this date, 1982, John Chancellor steps down as anchor of the NBC Nightly News. Now, two people take his place, one of them being Roger Mudd, but that's for a very short period of time. The other person would become the primary anchor for a long time, clear up until 2004 when he retires from anchoring and then would do special assignments. See if you can identify who that other individual was, the person who was co-anchor with Roger Mudd for a period of time. Here's your audio clue. Well, the time is here. We've been through a lot together, through dark days and nights and seasons of hope and joy. Whatever the story, I had only one objective, to get it right. When I failed, it was personally painful, and there was no greater urgency than course correction. On those occasions, I was grateful for your forbearance and always mindful that your patience and attention didn't come with a lifetime warranty. I was not alone here, of course. I am simply the most conspicuous part of a large, thoroughly dedicated and professional staff that extends from just beyond these cameras across the country and around the world. 1982. Now, that right there is from 2004 when he retired as the anchor. Can you tell me who the anchor was in 2000, or actually 1982, when he uh, pelled up with uh, Roger Mudd? Who is that? Tom Brokaw. That's right, Tom Brokaw, NBC Nightly News. 1989, Pepsi dismisses this singer as spokesperson after her Like a Prayer video was called Blasphemous by the Vatican. Who is that singer? Madonna. That's right, in 1989. It was 1993, the Norman Rockwell Museum opens in Massachusetts. It was on this date. Give me the year, Kimmy. This was in the, This was in all the headlines, and it was on talk radio for a period of time, news shows and whatnot. Unabomber suspect Theodore Kaczynski was arrested on this date in history. Uh, He was eventually, well, he eventually pled guilty to five Unabomber attacks in exchange for a life sentence without chance for parole. Give me the year that he was arrested. Within uh, within five. 91? 1996 that happened. It was on this date in 1996. This entertainer, this singer, files for bankruptcy... He had a string of hits in the early part of the 1990s, but uh, uh, the cash just does not stay in his pockets. See if you can identify who that singer, that recording artist, that entertainer is. Here's your audio clue. I'm going for all that I can get. because I'm too legit to quit saying. Too legit. Number 
five hit for him from 1991, Too Legit to Quit. Who is that recording artist, Kimmy? MC Hammer. That's right. And his last big hit was in 1991, and it was to the Adams Family. Now I don't mind being a friend and showing a little bit of flavor. flavor. But Wednesday, Bugsley, Gomez, Festa, man, them some strange neighbors. They do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live, play how they want to play, dance how they want to dance, kick and they stop a friend. A number seven hit, 1991 Adams grew for him, used in the Adams Family uh, film franchise, but uh, he had cash problems uh, for him. 1996 bankruptcy. It was on this date, Kimmy, the first Apple iPad is released. That's iPad. Give me the year the iPad by Apple is released within five years. 2008. You get it. It was 2010 when that happened. Moving to notable and celebrity birthdays on this date in history, Kimmy. Author Washington Irving, born on this date in history in 1783. Can you tell me anything that he wrote? He is considered America's first genuine internationally best-selling author. No. Anything, Kimmy. Not Mm -mm. even one. Mm -mm. You don't remember Rip Van Winkle? Mm. You don't remember The Legend of Sleepy Hollow? Mm. Yeah, that's just some of Washington Irving's big stuff. Born 1783. George Jessel, also known as Georgie Jessel, born in the state 1898, a comedian, actor, died at the age of 83 in 1981. This singer, entertainer, actress, born on this date. Now, she's one who has, I was either born on this year or this year. It's one or the other. Once you identify who this is, please uh, take a stab at their age, okay? They, they are still with us, I will tell you that much ahead of time. I have a couple of audio clues here. See if you can identify who this singer... Well, she's known for singing first, then acting later. She would become a very big actress in film and then also have her own television show. Here is your audio clue. I walked down the street like a good girl should. He followed me down the street like I knew he would. Because a guy is a guy wherever he may be. So listen and I'll tell you what this fella did to me I walked to my house like a good girl should He followed me to my house like I knew he would Because a guy is a guy wherever he may be so listen while I tell you what the spell did to me. It is not called the stalker song, Kimmy. It is <laughs> A Guy is a Guy. It was a hit for her. It was a number one hit in 1951. Do you need another clue for this uh, mm-hmm. mystery song? You, you you don't want to take a guess. You want to go to clue number two? Mm-hmm. Here's clue number two. Once I had a secret love that lived within the heart of me all too soon my secret love became impatient to be free that was secret love number one hit for her 1953 we have a third and final clue if you need it it's her signature song but it was not a number one hit for her do you need clue number three before you guess who this singer entertainer actress is who's having a birthday is it doris day here's what she said to me whatever will be will be 
The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. Yes, Kimmy's correct. 1955, that hit was, uh, you know, it became her signature song, but it was a number two hit. It didn't hit the number one. Very good. I don't know what uh, triggered you. you. I thought a guy as a guy would do it for you there. Mm-mm. That threw you? Never heard that That's one. kind of a creepy song, too. That is I, creepy. I mean, I guess maybe not back. So what did the fella do to her? I'm... Kimmy, I'm in suspense. Kimmy, it's 19... I don't know the song. It's 1951, for goodness sake. Come okay. on. It's very sweet and innocent. It's 1951. Because remember, a guy is a guy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Moving over to the acting world. Before I go to that next birthday, did you ever see her in any films? Mm, Doris Day, Rock Hudson stuff. Maybe. Okay, didn't didn't stand out to you? Pillow Talk, anything? Mm-hmm. I always liked her as a kid watching those. Her TV show though, wow! I can't remember who runs it now. I don't think it's Me TV. It might be Antenna TV. Somebody runs it now. One of the retro TV stations, and that's kind of interesting. It's very it's interesting when you look at it because it's late '60s when it's on, and just what's going on in the world. You know, and it's like, wow, it's kind of cartoony mm. in a way. And I like it because from time to time, John Daner's on it, and he's one of my favorite actors of all time. Moving over to this actor having a birthday. See if you can identify who he is, Kimmy. He's he's big time. Uh, matter of fact, this actor is, uh, to give you an idea of just how important in the world, he was ranked by the American Film Institute as the fourth greatest movie star among male movie stars whose screen debuts occurred in or before 1950. He was one of only three professional actors, along with Charlie Chaplin and Marilyn Monroe, named in 1999 by Time Magazine as one of its 100 most important people of the century. See if you can identify who this actor is. Here is your first audio clue. My son, you do not remember me. I am Jorel. I am your father. By now you will have reached your 18th year, as it is measured on Earth. By that reckoning, I will have been dead for many thousands of your years. Who is that actor, Kimmy? Marlon Brando. That's right, Superman, 1978, Jor-El in that, and Superman Returns in 2006. He is in both of those films, even though he passed away in 2004 at the age of 80. And he's actually most famous for his Academy Award-winning performance as Terry Malloy in a movie I have a feeling you've never seen. It's called On the Waterfront from 1954. Have you ever seen that film? No. Very powerful film. I recommend that if you're not familiar with uh, Marlon Brando. You might think of Marlon Brando, either the Superman Jor-El role or possibly the Godfather. But On the Waterfront, extremely powerful with Carl Malden as well. Both of them doing powerful, uh, powerful performances. And one of his uh, lines that is often used to when somebody does an impression of him is from that movie. It wasn't him, Charlie. It was you. You remember that night in the garden? You came down my dressing room and said, kid, this ain't your night. We're going for the price on Wilson. You remember that? This ain't your night. My night. I could have taken Wilson apart. So what happens? He gets the title shot outdoors in a ballpark, and what do I get? A one-way ticket to Palookaville. You was my brother, Charlie. You should have looked out for me a little bit. You should have taken care of me just a little bit so I wouldn't have to take them dies for the short-end money. Well, I had some bets down for you. You saw some money. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. 
I could have been somebody instead of a bum, which is what I am. Let's face it. Yeah, I, I strongly recommend checking that out. Um, you know, Retro Channel's running. It's available on DVD and streaming, I'm sure. You check it out on a waterfront. We're going to have Kimmy watch that one sometime. We have it on the classic movie list for you to watch. Okay. Now, Kimmy, going to the world of music, this person is a singer and entertainer. We'll give you this much of a heads up. One of the best known entertainers in Las Vegas, Nevada for a long period of time. See if you can identify who he is with his signature song. By the way, it's not his biggest hit, but it's the one most people know him by. See if you can tell me who this singer and entertainer is. Thank you for all the joy and pain. Picture show, second balcony, was the place we'd meet. Now, I have a feeling Kimmy cannot tell me who this is. Matter of fact, he played in one of the James Bond movies, one of the uh, Timothy Dalton films as a bad guy, Kimmy. Uh, when he was a lot older than he was there. You cannot identify who that is. Mm -mm. You don't know Donka Shane, that that hit song from 1963. Matter of fact, peaked at number 13, but it's always been associated with him. The person we're talking about, the birthday person, is Wayne Newton having a birthday. His biggest hit, by the way, was Daddy, Don't You Walk So Fast, a number four hit from 1969. Daddy, don't you walk so fast. Gold record from 1969, Daddy, Don't You Walk So Fast by Wayne Newton. I'm not even going to ask Kimmy how old he is because I have a feeling. Let's let's be honest here. You you have no clue who he is, do you? I've heard the name. Yeah. I mean, so you, you never saw him in the classic uh, Lucy show? You remember when she had her kids on the show, her real kids, and they, they did like the Lucy number three version or whatever it was? Mm. Remember that? Well, she, there's an episode that uh, Lucy ends up on Wayne Newton's ranch. And she's working there with the kids. So I, I thought maybe you'd seen at least him in that at one time. Hmm. He is 75 today. That is Wayne Newton. And as far as I know, he is still performing. Somebody who has had several hits uh, on the charts, yeah, big time back in the 70s, is having a birthday today. Although he was discovered by one of your favorites, Kimmy. He was discovered by Don Kirshner. And he had hits on the charts in 1961 when he was very young. But he charted bigger in the 1970s. See if you can identify who this birthday person is. Here is clue number one. We have three clues. One of them, the last one being his signature song. Here is a song which hit number three, 1970 for him. Oh, I think Kimmy knows who this one is. Who is that person who sung that 1970 hit? Tony Orlando. Whoa. Can you tell me the name of the group that he was associated with? Tony Orlando and Dawn. That's right. Originally recorded in the 1970s, uh, some of the material as Dawn, but then they highlighted him as Tony Orlando and Dawn. And 
You are correct. Now, did you watch his TV show that was on uh, CBS? Uh-huh. You did. Yeah. They did. Okay. It was 1974 to 1976 the TV show was on, and they broke up in 1978. My question for you is, within five years, how old is Tony Orlando today? Um, 75. He is 73. And one final easy question for you. Tell me his signature song. Tie a yellow ribbon. If I don't see a ribbon around the old old tree, I'll stay on the bus, forget about us, put the blame on me. If I don't see a yellow ribbon around the old old tree. 1973, that was a number one hit. Yes, it was a gold record. Tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. Moving over to who, what were you going to say there, Kimmy? And I had the 45. Of that? You mm-hmm. still do? It's in the 45? Oh, I'm, wow. I'm you, I take it you like that one. All right. Moving over to the acting section for birthdays. Kimmy, tell me who this actor is. Now, I could use, I mean, he's been in a ton of things. Matter of fact, somebody you used to really, really like. You would drag me to his movies, even if it was just a horrible film, just because it was him in the movie. Now, I could use so many different types of audio clues, but I'm choosing this one because even though it's more of obscure film, meaning not mainstream, it, it was released, but not a lot, a lot of people have seen it. To me, it's probably one of his best roles of all time, even though he made actually a cameo with this film. He was only in there for a few minutes. Here is your audio clue. Tell me who the birthday person is and how old he is today. Because the good news is you're fired. The bad news is you've got all you've got just one week to regain your job, starting with tonight. Starting with tonight's sit. Oh, have I got your attention now? Good. Because we're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Anybody want to see second prize? Second prize, a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. Yes, that's right. Remember, ABC, always be closing. He tells you that. Tell me the name of the actor, Kimmy. Alex Bald- Alec Baldwin. That's right, Alec Baldwin. From what movie was uh, he doing that little motivational speech from? Glengarry Glen Ross. Yes, 1992. Uh, starts talking to Jack Lemmon in it and the rest of the cast. Uh, fantastic uh, film. Mm-hmm. And him, I mean, he's just, he's just perfect in that, isn't he? Yeah, and I guess he takes uh, a quote from that movie in his brand new movie that's out now that's oh, really? killing it at the box office. Oh, really? I didn't Boss know Baby. Oh, really? Uh-huh. So he borrows some of that in there. Well, maybe yeah. we'll have to see Boss Baby. I know our good friend Todd Merrick saw Boss, ba- Boss Baby, and I think he liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. That's right. But Todd Merrick is easily entertained. So, you know. Yeah, well, and- I think the line was, cookies are for closers. Well, that is one of the things he does. The opening scene, or, or the scene where you actually see him for the first time in the movie, uh, let's see, Jack Lemmon's character is getting coffee. Yeah. And that's where he's like, you know, coffee's for closers. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love that. How old is Alec Baldwin today? Kimmy, within two years, how old is he? Um, 58. He's 59, so y- you get that one. Next person. Really only known for one role, a big role he had on TV for a period of time. He was a, a co-star. He wasn't the headliner. So if you identify the TV show he is known for, and then we'll move over to who this mystery birthday person is. Here is the instrumental version to the theme of this popular television show. It was big on NBC, and then it went into syndication. You can still see it somewhere. 
All right, Kimmy, what's the name of that TV show? Frasier. That is correct. Now, this person, this actor is David Hyde Pierce, best known for playing uh, Frasier's brother. Can you tell me the name of his brother? Oh. He, he was a doctor as well. Um, what was the name of the brother? Nope. Dr. Niles Crane. And he's having a birthday. That is David Hyde Pierce, and he is 58. Next person, he has so many titles to his name. Uh, comedian. Uh, let's see. A, a regular cast member on Saturday Night Live from 1980 to 1984. Movie star as well. And he has worked stand-up comedy and is ranked number 10 on Comedy Central's list of 100 greatest stand-ups of all time. But he's also a singer, Kimmy. See if you can identify who this mystery birthday person is. Once you have identified, tell me how old he is. We have two audio clues for you if we need them, but I think you only need one. Here is your audio clue. Hey, I ain't putting no boogie in nobody's butt. That's nasty, man. What you talking about? Putting boogies in people's butt. You out your mind or something? You go to jail for doing something like that. I ain't playing. That's man. I ain't putting no trees in nobody's butt, no bees in nobody's butt. Putting nothing. You must be out your mind, man. Do y'all get paid for doing this? Because y'all got to get some kind of money. Because this don't sound like the kind. Of, I'd rather golf, to be perfectly honest, than put something in somebody's butt. Be truthful. Kimmy, can you identify who the mystery birthday person is? Eddie Murphy. That's right. And bonus points. Can you tell me the name of that song? Boogie in Your Butt? <laughs> Why do you know that one? Um, it, was from, I don't know. it was from 1982. It did not chart in the Hot 100. It only charted, I mean, across all, a bunch of charts that are available. The only thing it charted on was the U.S. R&B charts. It hit number 56, but it did play in dance clubs. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have been in dance clubs in 1982. I was. Mm-hmm. I was spinning records in dance mm-hmm. clubs at a very, I was underage and I was spinning there. And, you know, yeah, they let me in. Yes, and he had that as a, you know, sort of a dance hip, even though it didn't chart well at all. But he did have a song that did chart extremely well, Kimmy, a few years later. Can you tell me the name of the song that he had that actually almost hit number one? It was number two on the charts. Mm-mm. Can you do it? 1985. Mm-mm. He worked with Rick James on this one. That was Party All the Time from mm-hmm. 1985. Number two did not hit number one. Come on, you had to know that one since you oh, yeah. you're a dance girl there. Yep. Okay. All right, moving over to somebody else having a birthday, an actress. Kimmy, she's really known for one big TV show. And, well, she also played on another show called What I Like About You from 2002 to 2006. But she's really known for this one she was on from 1990 to 2010. See if you can identify the TV show she was part of. Here's its theme. Please tell us the moment you know the TV show. Melrose Place. No. Oh, 90210. Uh, more specific. You only got part Beverly of Beverly Hills 90210. Ah, uh, that's correct, Kimmy. That's right. Now, she played Kelly Taylor on the show. Can you tell me what the name of the actress is who played Kelly Taylor on Beverly Hills 90210? Tori Spelling? No. Um, it's not Shannon Doherty. It's not Shannon Doherty. It's the other one. Yeah, that, that other one. That one. Yes. Can you tell yeah. me who that, that one is? I can't. Jenny Garth having a birthday today. How old is Jenny Garth today within two years? 50. She is 45. 
Moving over to Amanda Burns having a birthday today. Former actress. She retired in 2012. She said, I'm done. I quit. From 2002 to 2006, she started in the sitcom What I Like About You on the WB. And then she was in a, a show prior to that in her, her kid years. Can you tell me how old she is today, the former actress? Mm. who's had a lot of trouble. I don't trouble. even know who that is. You don't know who she is. Nope. She was, she's been in a lot of tabloid stuff over the course of time, especially after 2012. She is 31 today. And moving over to Notable Desk, Kimmy. It was on this date, 1882. An American outlaw was shot in the back and killed by Robert Ford for a $5,000 reward. There was later controversy over whether it was actually him that had been killed. The outlaw, Jesse James. But we have a Jesse James question for you, Kimmy. Mm -hmm. A certain sitcom decided to focus on Jesse James because one of the child stars, his character, really loved Jesse James. Jesse James is his hero. It still is mind-boggling to me they decided to do this on this show because it, it just kind of doesn't feel right with the show, actually, for some reason that they focused on this. I have no idea why they chose that, but they did. Tell me the name of the TV show. Here's your audio clue. I hear Jesse's a hero of yours. I wrote a whole composition about him for school. I wrote a whole book about Jesse James, only he wasn't a hero to me. He wasn't? Nope. Jesse James killed my father. He did? Shot him in the back. That's how he usually shot him. Too cowardly to face him, I guess. I can't believe that, Mr. Collins. <laughs> He's telling you the truth, Bobby. Son, you know the legends. I know the facts. Now, can you tell me the name of the sitcom that decided to focus on Jesse James and, well, Bobby being uh, infatuated with him? The Brady Bunch. That's right. And, and that episode just still, to me, is weird. Mm. Uh, and and for those who love classic television, yes, that's Gus the Fireman from Leave it to Beaver, who is playing the uh, person who wrote the book, whose father was killed by Jesse James. It was on this date, 1993, that Pinky Lee passed away. Kimmy, you have no idea who that is, correct? Mm-hmm. Not really. You couldn't even tell me if Pinky Lee is female or male, could you? Female? No. No? Pinky Lee is male. Oh. Pinky Lee died in 1993 at the age of 85, even though people thought he died in like 1954. Oh. They thought he died on television. Okay. They, they really did. Now, he was an American burlesque comic. Now, this is the interesting part. That's what he, he got his, you know, his skills and everything was in burlesque dancing and performing com comedy routines. He eventually became a children's television program host called, well, the Pinky Lee Show, which to me is amazing. You go from burlesque to that. Uh, in 1954, the show goes on air. It's sponsored by Tootsie Roll. Now, it's Emmy-nominated, this show is. That's how strong it is. As a matter of fact, it would spawn imitators. If you watch some of these that are available, I know you can see them like on YouTube, you will see that Pee Wee's Playhouse is based... There, there's a lot of influence. You think Pee-wee is manic. He is way more than manic uh, than Pee-wee. He dances and does, I see vaudeville burlesque type routines that he does when he's dancing. I mean, he does not stop. When he comes out, he's engaging the entire audience and just keeps going and going and going. Uh, it's, it's quite amazing to actually look at that, and that something like this was on television in, in the you know mid-50s. 
And he would open up the show and he would do a little song. I mean, he's just, uh, he's full of energy. And back in 1955, he collapsed right on camera. Mm. And it was due to an infection. Now, everybody thought it was part of the gag. The camera stays on him. The peanut gallery, the kids and everything, they're all, you know, clapping and cheering. They just think it's part of the show. And he's he's actually, you know, thrashing around. And the camera's on him. And then it, it, it was more than 10 seconds before they realized that he is he's hurting. And so then they go to the, the audience and then fade fade out. And people from that point on, a lot of them thought he died. But he, he didn't die then at all. So mm. it's kind of a bizarre story and everything. But he was yeah. huge at one time. His show was uh, piggybacked in the afternoons with the Howdy Doody show. For those who are very old that listen to the Riley and Kimmy show, I'm sure this brings back memories, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, you know, like Todd Merrick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Todd, I'm sure that you, you're right on that one. You're going, yeah, I, 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 I you know he knows. Probably even has a Pinky Lee costume, too. <laughs> I bet he does. You know, at his upcoming uh, free comic book day at uh, Claremont, at uh, Heroes, Heroes Landing, uh, be sure to check him out. I, he might be in his Pinky Lee outfit. Who knows? I like, maybe he'll even reenact that incident that happened on t- television because as a kid, he was watching it. You know, so maybe he will be thrashing around on the floor or something. Mm. It's possible. Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job today with trivia. I held something back here uh, that happened on the date in, in history because we're going to honor it in the golden age of radio. And that is on this date in history, 1949. Th- these two, they'd already been successful as a comedy act in nightclubs. They and, and film was just coming around the corner for them where they would be big together. They debuted on radio. And it was on NBC, and it ran for a number of years till 1952, and that is Martin and Lewis. They're writing songs of love, but not for me. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard my partner Jerry Lewis singing. Your ears are not out of order. (laughs) Oh, you're so smart, Dean Martin. I could have had a great voice. I should have stuck with my singing when I was a kid. Why? You're stuck enough with it now. (laughs) Yes, the two of them together. Radio 1949. We're going to go back in time. We have the very first episode that aired on this date, 1949, April 3rd. It's very special because their guest, Kimmy, is Lucille Ball. And then followed, uninterrupted, we go into an episode with um, their special guest. Somebody we mentioned from trivia is George Jessel. Georgie Jessel is the special guest. We have both of those episodes back-to-back, uninterrupted. Kicking things off, 1949. And on this date, April 3rd, here's the very first episode of Martin and Lewis with Lucille Ball on the Riley and Kimmy Show. It's the new, the great, the different, the Martin and Lewis Show. The National Broadcasting Company brings you the new Martin and Lewis Show. Our guest tonight, Lucille Ball, and featuring Eileen Woods, Flo McMichael, Dick Stabil and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. (laughs) 
As you know, ladies and gentlemen, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis are two young men who, overnight, have become the nation's comedy hit. But let's get on with the show. We take you now to the apartment of Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, where we find the boys getting ready, somewhat nervously, to go to the NBC studios for their first radio show. There's a tree in the meadow with a stream drifting by. Answer the phone, Jerry, I'm tying my tie. <laughs> okay, Dean, there's a tree in the meadow with a stream drifting by. I could never be a big singer like Crosby. Well, why not? I sound too much like Dean. <laughs> Oh, it must be NBC again. What cowards we are. Why are we afraid to do our own radio show? After all, how big an egg can we lay? How big? Well, if we took a large hen and got it to hold back for two years... All right, Jerry. All right. (laughs) We've been acting like two frightened mice all day. We've got an ironclad contract to do the show. We've got to talk to NBC sometime. You're right. I'm not a frightened mouse. Answer the phone. Oh, come on, Jerry. You answer it. Dean Martin, I will tell you why I will not answer the phone. Indubitably, that is a call from NBC. And it is indubitably they want to know where the H-E-C-K we are because they are spending thousands and thousands of dollars and money (laughs) to build a sensational comedy and musical extravaganza around us. And if they think we are that important, why don't they call us? Jerry, they are calling us. Who else could it be besides NBC? Well, it could be a wrong number, a quiz show. Hey, a quiz show. They give you money just for answering a few questions. Give me that phone. Hello, 1492 Marie Antoinette and sulfuric acid. Ship the money. (laughs) Now, come on, Jerry. We got to get down to NBC right away. Let's go. Dean. Yeah? I'm scared. Look, we've done all right so far. We shouldn't be afraid. We did all right in nightclubs, didn't we? Yeah, but those people paid $10 cover charge, so they had to like us. But at a radio show, the audience gets in free, and at those prices, they can afford to hate us. (laughs) Because there's nothing cheaper than something that doesn't cost very much. I always say. Indubitably, but uh, come on, Jerry, get dressed Okay, I shall wear my new sport coat Which the man said was good for town or country And just perfect for the beach What is it, gabardine? No, wet sand (laughs) (coughs) Jerry, you're just Stalin That's impossible Stalin's a big man in Russia And Russia's a big country Full of places like Valdostovostok And... (laughs) They laughed and the Nipper. And he's a big, important man. And if he thinks I'm impersonating him, he'll get mad and come and get me and send me to Siberia. And it's full of ice and snow and sleet. And Dean... Yeah? I'm cold. <laughs> Jerry, you and I are going to NBC and do that program. What are you scared of? When we played the Copacabana in New York, they laughed at us. When we played the Chaperie in Chicago, they laughed at us. And when we came out here and asked for a radio job... They laughed at us. <laughs> they didn't laugh at us. They signed us up. They want us. Jerry, we got to do this radio show. Who knows? This could make us famous. Yeah, famous. We could even become important actors. Yeah, important actors. Our names in lights, celebrities, stars in pictures. Yeah, names in lights, celebrities, stars in pictures. I can see it all. Big hits in nightclubs. We're famous. Everybody wants us. Hal Wallace signs us for a Paramount picture. 
NBC scientist for a radio show. We flop. <laughs> Nobody wants us. Hal Wallace won't speak to us. Paramount hates us. We spend our savings. We can't get work. We're tramping the streets, starving. We stop and press our noses against the bakery window. Dean. Why? I'm hungry. <laughs> Tell me, Jerry, did uh, Whitaker Chambers ever hide any papers in your head? Well, it ain't my fault. I don't have my head with me all the time, you know. Ah, let's answer it. Hello? Hello. Who is this speaking, please? Jerry. Jerry, you have to take the phone off of the hook. Yeah, when did they do that? Okay. Hello? Why aren't you guys down here at NBC? They're going nuts down here. Oh, it's our agent. Well, it's not your maiden aunt in Minneapolis. <laughs> Everyone's waiting to do the program. You guys are messing up the whole thing. Now, listen, I can explain everything. Good. Start with you. <laughs> now, listen, boys, don't ruin everything. This radio show means a lot to us. Your careers, my commission. You think I don't care about the show? I do. After all, I gotta live, too. I can think of a loophole in that argument. <laughs> Ooh, how you aggravate me. Okay, Abby, we'll be right down there. We can't leave yet, Jerry. I gotta rehearse my number. It's a romantic number. I wish I had a girl to sing it to, you know, to get me in the mood. I'll be a girl if you'll promise to respect me. <laughs> sing to me. I'm a great movie star. And a princess of far-off India. Really? What princess of India are you? Rita Hayworth. <laughs> you're... You're Rita Hayworth? But you're not even on the road to being a princess of India. Maybe I'm not on the road, but I'm sure following the right alley. <laughs> see, see, the idea of this gag... See, the idea of this gag is that... Well, alley is an alley in the street, see? A-L-L-E-Y. But when you say alley, A-L-I, that's like the prince that is going to marry Rita Hayworth. It's all combined into one joke. And it's so funny, this kind of... Look how they're staring at me. <laughs> see, Dean? Everybody hates me! Ah, uh, Jerry, relax. Have faith in me. We'll do all right on the radio show. That's all right for you to say, but I haven't thought up any jokes to tell the people. Oh, you'll think of something. What about me? I haven't even rehearsed my song. I don't even know if I'm in good voice. Well, go ahead, sing. Give yourself a clue. Dean, I know you want my opinion of your rendition, and I cannot tell a lie. It was magnificent. <laughs> oh, well. Come on, let's go. Oh, not so fast. Let me take a look at you first. Stand up. Wash your hands. Yes, partner. Wash your face. Yes, sir. Behind your ears? Look, I'm just going to a broadcast. I'm not going to get married. <laughs> anyway, what about you? Did you bathe? Well, of course. I take a bath every day. <laughs> you take a bath every day? <laughs> well, of course. Oh, Dean, I'm so unworthy of you. <laughs> now, you, you talk like that. What'll people think? When was the last time you took a bath? In a tub? <laughs> yes. With soap? Yes With water? Yes Oh, Dean, I'm so unworthy of you Oh, let's get out of this apartment and go to NBC Who is it? It's the maid <laughs> I have to come in and clean the apartment 
Well, okay, come on in. We're just leaving anyway. Gee, look at the load of equipment she's carrying. I never saw such a stack of stuff in my life. Here, let me help you before you drop it, miss. I can put it down myself, thank you. Oh, my goodness. Just look at the condition of this room. Huh? What's the matter with it? It's clean. Well, well, that's a break for you, then. You have no work to do. I don't have any work to do. That's fine. I'm the maid, and I'm supposed to clean the apartments every day. And if your apartment isn't dirty, then I don't have to clean it. And if I don't have to clean your apartment, I won't have anything to do for a half hour. So I'll go out in the hall, and I'll light a cigarette, and the manager will smell the smoke, and he'll come up to me, and he'll say, what are you doing smoking a cigarette in the hall? And I'll say, I haven't anything to do right now. And he'll say, why aren't you cleaning the apartments? And I'll say, I didn't have to clean the apartments. And he'll say, oh, you don't have to clean the apartments, son. He'll get mad and fire me and all because your apartment is clean. <laughs> it's people like you that cause unemployment. Miss, there's one thing I don't understand. What's that? Are you for real? <laughs> Miss, we're not trying to get you fired. Do the best you can. We have to leave. Come on, Jerry, let's go. Okay. Now what? Uh... There's a discrepancy in the bathroom. A what? <laughs> One of you has to get married. The towels say his and hers, and you're a his and his. <laughs> okay, okay, look, just put in two hisses. That'll fix it. Oh, it's not as simple as that. If I give you another his, then I'll have an extra hers. And at the end of the week, I'll have 148 hisses and 149 herses. And the manager won't know why there's more herses than hisses because he doesn't know how many heses and cheeses there are in the building anyway. Okay, take all the towels out, all of them. From now on, we'll dry on newspapers. Well, the next thing on my list is dusting. I'll start with a dresser. Don't touch that bottom drawer. Why not? Because that's where I keep my kittens. Hey, not the top drawer either. What's in the top drawer? Catnip. <laughs> well, what's to prevent the cats in the bottom drawer from going up to the top drawer and eating the catnip? In the middle drawer, bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> my, you're odd people. <laughs> We ain't odd. We're entertainers. We're Martin and Lewis, and we got a radio show to do in a few minutes. Oh, you're on the radio. What do you do? Well, one of us is a singer. And the other guy's the funniest comedian you ever heard. He tells big jokes, kills the people, gets big laughs. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> which is which? <laughs> Well, come on, Jerry. Let's go to NBC. Stand in line, folks, for the Martin and Lewis show. The line will move inside the studio in a few moments. Come on, Miranda. Stand in line over here. Well, all right, but I don't understand, Henrietta. Who are Martin and Lewis? 
Well, my goodness, where have you been, Miranda? Well, they're famous. Oh? My husband was the conductor on the train they came out here on, and he heard that the greatest entertainers New York ever saw were Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Who told your husband that, Henrietta? Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Pardon me, ladies. Can you tell me how to get into the Martin and Lewis show? Oh, stand behind us, young man, and we'll get the best seats. You know, we always come to see these new comedians the very first week because usually they don't last for a second week. <laughs> they don't, huh? Well, you don't know Martin and Lewis. They're the best comedians in the world, and I say that for two reasons. Bread and butter. <laughs> You know, I'm anxious to see that handsome Dean Martin. <laughs> you know, Miranda, that, that Dean Martin's just the whole show, as far as I'm concerned. He really has talent. Now, wait a minute, lady. It takes two to make a team, you know. Takes two to make a team, Martin and Lewis. That's the team. They got to stick together. That's the way it is with any team. Without Fibber, where would Molly be? Without Kaiser, where would Fraser be? And without Earl Warren, where would... Uh, what was that guy's name again? <laughs> Okay, Jerry, I parked the car. Hey, what are you doing in this line? Oh, I'm with Dean Martin. Uh, hello, ladies. Oh, isn't he handsome? What are you going to sing tonight, Mr. Martin? I'd like to get you on a slow boat to China. It's a deal. Get the tickets and I'll meet you at the dollar rent. Come on, Jerry. Let's go into the studio here. Let's go into the studio here, Jerry. Gee, look at all the people in here, Dean. I'm scared. Here's Dean Martin. I'm your producer, Mr. Martin. I'm your director, Mr. Martin. I'm your family, Mr. Martin. I'm your singer, Mr. Martin. I'm your producer, Mr. Martin. I'm your director, Mr. Martin. I'm your leader, Mr. Martin. I'm your singer, Mr. Martin. What am I, the Larry Parks of this outfit? Ah, <laughs> be quiet, Jerry. I gotta rehearse. Oh, now I gotta be quiet. You're a big star. A big man. You're too impor important for me. My tongue got in the way of my eye tooth. I couldn't see what I was saying. <laughs> You're, you're, you're just too important for me Well, I don't need a house to fall on me Goodbye, pal I won't be a drag on you Ah, ah I'm sorry it had to end like this We had a lot of good times together Even if I always did have to take the ugly ones Ah, oh, Jerry Jerry, your feelings are just hurt, that's all Oh, my feelings ain't hurt I'm happy. I can laugh. <laughs> I'll never forget you, Dean. You go on without me. And good luck, old pal. I won't ever be jealous of your success. When you're a big star and run over me in your big imported car, I'll still be happy. I'll just lay there and think, gee, Vogue tires. <laughs> well, I'll go now. You people don't want me here. I'll be seeing you. Oh, poor Jerry. Why do you let him go away like that? Oh, Jerry will be all right. Let's rehearse. <clears throat> and now I would like to present one of Hollywood's most glamorous stars, currently gracing your neighborhood screens in Sorrowful Jones, a charming actress 
who gracefully combines the talents of a leading lady and comedian. Now listen here, Dean Martin. Don't you say anything nice about me, you big bully, you you monster. I'll have you know that. Wait I'm a not minute, gonna... wait a minute. Why, you are Lucille Ball. Mm. But, but what's the matter, Lucille? Don't act like you don't know. You've got some nerve, Dean Martin, asking me to come down here and be a guest on your radio program after the way you beat up that sweet, adorable little Jerry Lewis. Why, uh, if I weren't a perfect lady, I'd slug you. The idea, beating up that darling, cute, lammy pie. Me? <laughs> yes, you, Dean Martin. <laughs> Well, Jerry, hey, hey, where'd he go? He's behind me where he'll be safe. He's not going to stay out here where you can knock him down again. Knock him down? Yes, and kicking him and throwing dirt in his face and trying to drive your car over him. I did that? See, Lucille, he admits it. Oh, I get it. Jerry told you that story. Yes, he did. I never met anyone so contemptible as you in my whole life. How could you treat Jerry that way? He's so darling and so cute. You forgot Lammy Pie. <laughs> Just exactly what did Jerry tell you I did to him? He told me the whole story. It's incredible to me that you could pick on a little fella like that when you have such a grand physique. Uh, I mean, when, when you're so much bigger than he is, with all those great, big, powerful muscles. <laughs> you, you, big... Yes? <laughs> and, and the things you called him It's just hard to imagine names like that being spoken by you Why, you have that wonderful, soft, caressing voice Yes Lucille, hey Lucille <laughs> Will you stop tugging at my skirt? I just wanted you to know I'm still here Lewis is the name, Jerry Lewis they call me Don't stop Lucille, tell him off, good all right <laughs> You're right Dean Martin, how could you have slugged poor Jerry When you look so So handsome With those soft eyes And long, long lashes Yes Hey, Lucille Shut up, you little schnook <laughs> Schnook Me, schnook the idea telling those awful fibs about this darling, cute, lammy pie, Dean Martin. I ought to turn you over my knee and spank you. Dean, Dean! Yes? <laughs> Dean, are you going to stand there and let her talk to me like that? Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, but really, he isn't bad at all, Lucille. In fact, he's a very nice guy. In fact, he's a wonderful guy. Why, Jerry's the important half of our act. He's the talent. Why, he's the one who gets all the laughs. He's the one the critics rave about. He's the one the people love. Oh, what a ham. <laughs> well, uh, it's sure nice of you to come down tonight and help us get, on our, get, get our first show started, Lucille. I figured we need plenty of advice, advice here in Hollywood. Come on, snap out of it. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to be very successful Well, how about Jerry? Yeah, how about that? <laughs> You'll see, I'm going to be a big star When I make my first picture, I'll be sensational I'll be... Well, you do think I'll be a picture star, don't you, Lucille? Why not? Lassie made it 
<laughs> if you're gonna make fun of me, I'll quit the show. I'll give, I'll give, I'll give. Uh, <laughs> I'll give Dean all the money we've saved, and I'll go home and lock myself in a closet, kick my heels, and hold my breath until I die. And if you want to know why I do these things, it's because listen. <laughs> Well, don't get too desperate, Jerry Look, I, I've planned a little party for you and Dean after the show uh, Lots of important people will be there Well, that's wonderful, Lucille Well, the only thing, Dean uh, Does Jerry know how to act at a party? Do I know how to act at a party? Why, one time in the back room of a barbershop Jerry! <laughs> Hold it You see what I mean? Miss Ball <laughs> Miss Ball, Mr. Martin I would like to inform you that Gerald Lewis When attempting a social event Attending a social event <laughs> It's too close to the paper, what do you want? <laughs> Miss Ball and Mr. Martin When I, I'd like to inform you that Gerald Lewis, when attending a social event, always conducts himself with complacent, elegant simplicity, utterly devoid of ostentation. <laughs> Jerry Lewis, where did you get words like that? Don't ask me, I'm just as surprised as you are. <laughs> Gee, I hope there's a girl there for me. Lucille, I like him about my height. Well, let's see now. Betty Grable will be there. And, of course, I like him about my age. Uh-huh. Well, Anne Blythe will be there. <laughs> and I like him to be of my intelligence. Sorry, Margaret O'Brien can't stay out that late. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, I, I hope you understand. I've invited important people. People of refinement, breeding, culture. Don't worry about me. Refinement and breeding and culture pour out of me like sweat off a horse's neck. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll guarantee Jerry Well, I don't know I'm afraid he'll be a little raucous Raucous? Me? Don't ever worry about Jerry Lewis being raucous I'll make more noise than anyone there oh. Now, Lucille <laughs> If you'll just tell us the address of the party And, uh, by the way, Lucille, uh, shall we dress? Naturally, we don't want the cops <laughs> Oh, the party sounds like it'll be a lot of fun, Lucille And uh, I'm sure we'll know exactly what to do Sure, we've been educated You know, I worked my way through Harvard What? Well, he did stumble his way through high school He looks more like he had to shoot his way out of kindergarten <laughs> <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this, Lucille Well, uh, my house isn't one of those elaborate Hollywood mansions, Dean Oh, there's one thing, Jerry If we decide to go in for a dip Be sure you don't go in the servant's swimming pool <laughs> I'm sorry to butt in But we go on the air in 30 seconds Okay, fine Are you nervous, Jerry? Me? Nervous? <laughs> 20 seconds I'll be all right I'll kill the people 15 seconds Just let me at them 10 seconds I'll fracture them Five seconds, four seconds, three, two... I'll pulverize them. The Martin and Lewis Show is on the air. Go ahead, Jerry. Start talking. Yes, sir. A very funny thing happened to me on the way to the studio. Well, come on, Lucille. 
Help me hold Jerry up and we'll do the song. Okay. Up he goes. Up he goes. If you got it, you don't need it. If you need it, you don't got it. You don't get it, shame on you. Funny, 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 what money can do. Ask the rich man, he'll confess. Money can't buy happiness. Ask a poor man, he don't doubt. But he'd rather be miserable with and without. I love life and I want to live. I love life and I say, Yeah, but I love life. I know, but you don't have to spoil it for the rest of us. If you spend it, please be wiser. If you save it, you're a miser. If you don't want it, you're cuckoo. Funny, funny, funny what money can do. It's good to be home in bed And Dean, I'm sorry I messed up our radio program tonight Ah, forget it, Jerry It's past midnight Better get some sleep Good night Good night Well, who could that be? What do you want? It's me, the maid (laughs) I'm sorry, but you'll have to get out of those beds Get out of bed? Why? Well, you see, those beds are six by three beds. And this afternoon, I made a mistake and I put on seven by four sheets. Oh! And if I put the wrong sheets on your beds, the manager will say to me... Look, you miss, ca- if I get up, I'll start walking the floor. And if I start walking the floor, I'll get into a bad humor. And when I go to embassy tomorrow, they'll say, Jerry Lewis, why did you faint on your radio program? And I'll say, who could help but fainting? I was excited. And they'll say, oh, talking back, eh? I guess you don't want to go on the radio very bad. And I'll say, and they'll say, and they'll fire me. It's people like you that cause unemployment. Good night, everybody. Good night, folks. It's the Martin and Lewis Show! The National Broadcasting Company brings you transcribed from Hollywood, the Martin and Lewis Show. Our guest tonight, George Jessel, featuring Sheldon Leonard, Ben Alexander, Dick Stabile, and his orchestra, and starring Dean Martin... just heard my partner, Jerry Lewis, singing. Your ears are not out of order. <laughs> oh, you're so smart, Dean Martin. I could have had a great voice. I should have stuck with my singing when I was a kid. Why? You're stuck enough with it now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jerry, pardon me for butting in, 
Yeah, what is it, Ben? One of these days, you'll be great in television. I'm glad you think so, Ben, because I just auditioned an act for television. Say, that's wonderful. Jerry, tell Ben the truth. Jerry. Tell him the truth? You tell him the truth. Go on, testify. <laughs> you mean Jerry didn't audition an act for television? Well, not quite. When we took our clothes down to the laundromat, Jerry locked himself in a Bendix washer and did Milton Berle imitations through the window. <laughs> Dean Martin, that is a fib, a story, and also completely untrue. Well, that's a shame. I thought it sounded like a great idea. You did? Sure. <laughs> For an encore, I blew soapy bubbles out of my ears. <laughs> oh, Jerry. The act wasn't funny, but it sure was clean. Jerry, why don't you stop? You should have seen it with you. I got in variety. It said, Jerry Lewis, no soap. <laughs> Jerry! What you all the time yelling at me like a big shot for? What you all the time yelling at me like a big shot for? That's as bad as throw the horse over the fence some hay. <laughs> Don't get smart with me, Dean Martin. You only made one picture, too. Say, fellas, what's this I read in the papers about you making your next picture at 20th Century Fox? Well, we're not so sure about it. Not after what happened to us. After what happened to you? What was that? Well, one morning we walked into that Hollywood nightclub of ours. There was a sweet little old lady waiting for us. Good morning. Are you Mr. Martin and Mr. Lewis? Yes, we are. Well, my name is Pruella Quid. I'm looking for a job as a cigarette girl. <laughs> a cigarette girl? Why should a sweet old lady like you want to be a cigarette girl? That's what I've always been. Just a cigarette girl waiting for a man who knows tobacco best. <laughs> Well, I, I don't understand, Miss Quid. Uh, why did you choose to be a cigarette girl all your life? I couldn't help it. You see, before I was born, my mother was frightened by F.E. Boone. <laughs> well, we're, we're awfully sorry, Miss Quid, but our cigarette girl will have to be very young and attractive. Oh, don't you worry about that. When I get my mascara on and my wrinkled putty, I'm cute as a bug. <laughs> Well, Miss Quid, suppose we think it over. Uh, where can we find you? At the Griffin Manor. I'm living with my mother and my older sister. You see, I'm the baby. <laughs> well, if we decide to hire you, we know where to get you now. Thanks and goodbye, Miss Quid. Goodbye. Dean, maybe we should consider her. She'd be different. Oh, now, Jerry, we've got more important things to think about. If we don't line up another picture, we're liable to slip right out of sight. Yeah. Why can't we be lucky like Boris Karloff? Look, it says here in the newspaper, three studios want him. Gee, Dean, if only one of us was ugly. <laughs> well, look at this story here. Rita Hayworth expecting. Can't you just see the doctor... Coming out to Ali Khan and saying, You are now the father of a bouncing baby boy. Weight, 52 carats. <laughs> oh, now, Jerry, I doubt that would happen. Hey, Dean, Dean, look what it says here in the newspaper. What, what? Daryl Zanuck looking for new young comedians. That's us, Dean. That's us. Now, now, now take it easy and don't, don't get excited. We got to act like, like we're not anxious at all. Uh, don't rush into anything and, and play very, very hard to get. Okay, we played long enough. <laughs> now, now, let's get...
get out to the studio and oh, see him. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jerry. Calm down. We don't know Daryl Zanuck. We'd have an awful time trying to get in to see him. No, we wouldn't. He'll see Betty Grable any time. I'll just make myself up to look like Betty Grable. <laughs> Jerry, how could you possibly make yourself look like Betty Grable? Oh, Dean, think of a way and we'll both be so happy. <laughs> Now, now, let's just uh, think this thing out. Who would know Mr. Zanuck? Mrs. Zanuck? <laughs> Jerry, you're going to be sensible. You talk like a man with two heads. I talk like a man with two heads. Me, Jerry Lewis, two heads. Say, Jerry. Yes, Sam. Doing anything later? No. Then how about me using the body tonight? No, I might go out later. <laughs> Why can't I ever have the body? After all, I'm the older head. Well, we agreed that I'd have charge of the body this week. Now, don't bother me. <laughs> Lehigh is waiting. I like to sing. That's another thing. I don't want to have your tunes running through my head anymore. <laughs> All right, Sam. You ask, which voice am I doing now? All right, Sam. You ask, you ask for it. This body isn't big enough for both of us. One of us has got to go. Jerry. No, Jerry, no. Let's be friends. We're in this thing together. Okay, Sam. We'll shake ears and make up. <laughs> Martin, you have the nerve to say I talk like a man with two heads. Uh, this boy wasn't born. He was booby-hatched. <laughs> Listen, Jerry, there must be somebody who saw us in our picture, my friend Irma, and who knows Mr. Zanuck. I got it, Dean. George Jessel. He's the big picture producer. And we know him and he knows Zanuck. Come on, let's go see him. <clears throat> Gee. This 20th Century Fox studio is a big place, isn't it, Dean? Yeah, just keep walking. Hey, Jerry, look. Doesn't this guy coming this way look familiar? Razor blades, shoelaces, chewing gum, screen tests. <laughs> Why, it's Soapy. Yeah, hello, fellas. Well, what are you doing in the studio, Soapy? Why, I am a talent scout. A talent scout? Yeah, yeah, a talent scout. You know, that's uh, almost like a boy scout, you see, uh... I uh, help old ladies across the street. That is, if they have movie possibilities. Well, have you discovered any talent, Soapy? <laughs> Get him. Have I discovered talent? Oh, why, I discovered June Haver, Hedy Lamar, Ava Gardner, Joan Crawford, Tilly Schultz. Who was Tilly Schultz? She was my only mistake. <laughs> Soapy, I don't believe you discovered anybody. In fact, I bet you don't know a single person at this studio. Oh, is that so, eh? Hey, look, look. There comes Betty Grable. Oh, boy, it is. Introduce her, Soapy. Yeah, well, okay. All right. Uh, hello, Betty. <laughs> Hiya, Betty. Hello, Betty. Guess Harry's trumpet has deafened her. Now, Soap, if you're really in the picture business, tell me, how do we get to Zanuck? Wait, that's very simple. You talk to Sam Goldwyn. Who's Sam Goldwyn? One of the Warner Brothers. <laughs> anyway, Soapy, we're going to see George Jessel. He'll take us to Mr. Zanuck, I'm sure. Well, I got a better idea than that. Look, you see that open window in that building over there? Well, that is the office of Vladimir Gruskin. And he is Daryl Zanuck's right-hand man. Gee. Dean, you go stand under that window, you see, and you sing a song, and this Vladimir Gruskin, he will hear you, and then he will call you in. Go ahead. Try it, Dean. And if you run into any trouble, I'll come in on the second chorus. Uh, will you shut the window, Jessel? I don't want to hear that street singer again. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, Mr. Greskin. Oh, Georgie, uh, tell me, what picture are you producing now? Well, Mr. Gruskin, I've just finished, as you know, my new musical, Oh, You Beautiful Doll, and next, well, I, if I have time... I That's miss... just it, when you have time. You're never on the lot. You're always flying somewhere around the country to make an after-dinner speech. George, I know you're a famous Toastmaster, but if a grocery store in Pomona opens, there's no reason it can't open without you making a speech. <laughs> I, I know that, and I'm very sorry, Mr. Gruskin. It's just that, well, people seem to enjoy a few words from me after dinner. I guess I sort of take the place of bicarbonate of soda. Now, you must understand, George, Mr. Zanuck has nothing against your outside activities. But when they interfere with production... Mr. Gruskin, don't worry about me. I'll work out something definitely. You'd better work out something, because if I don't find you in the studios more often, you'll be out for good. Very well, Mr. Gruskin. I'll go back to my office, if it's still there. Oh, to think that this could happen to me. Me on the verge of being fired. Me, Georgie Jessel, Toastmaster General of the United States, actor, author, comedian, producer. I may be fired. Well, that's Hollywood. One day putting your footprints in cement, the next day you're back mixing it. <laughs> well, what am I going to do if I get fired? I've been an actor all my life. What am I going to do? Well, let me see. Uh-huh. Nah, I don't want to be governor. <laughs> Oh, my goodness, what a fool I've been. I've forgotten my beautiful dulcet singing voice. Who would I have to compete against these days? Vaughn Monroe. <laughs> my cocker spaniel sings lower than him. <laughs> Mel Torme, the velvet fog. Sounds like he's humming with a bagel in his mouth. <laughs> Let me see, what could I do? Well, I might get booked into the big nightclubs with a fine orchestra and pretty girls. Wait a minute. Do I still like pretty girls? Yeah, I still do. Oh. <laughs> i better go into my office and figure this whole thing out and make some plans. Well, hello, Mr. Jessel. We've been waiting to see you. I'm Martin. The singer? Yes. Well, how are you, Tony? <laughs> uh, no, you got it wrong. He's Dean Martin, and I'm Lewis. Well, I'm glad you meet you, Lewis. I saw you fight at Madison Square Garden. You were... <laughs> Uh, no, that was Joe Lewis. Well, for my seats, it could have been anybody, believe me. <laughs> Dean, I thought we knew this guy. Mr. Jessel, you remember us? You saw us at the club. Martin and Lewis. I'm Dean Martin. Oh, of course. I'm just kidding, Dean. How are you? Say, listen, you look sleek and slick. Thanks. And you remember Jerry. Yeah, he looks slack, doesn't he? <laughs> Gee, Mr. Jessel, I've been looking forward to this moment ever since I watched your vaudeville act from my grandmother's lap. Now, just a minute, young man. You couldn't have watched my voice relax in your grandmother's lap. Your grandmother must be 20 years older than your mother, and your mother must be 20 years older than you. So if you add that all up, how old would that make me? Why, tell me, is your grandmother like me? <laughs> Mr. Jessel, you will admit you're not exactly a child. Well, I didn't say that I was, but I'm not an old guy either. I don't know why people talk the way they do. When I came in tonight, boys, heard a fellow say, look, there's Jessel. Other fellow say, gee, he can still walk. <laughs> Dean, did you hear that? Isn't he great? <laughs> he makes it up just like it's funny. Ah, uh, we're only kidding you, Georgie. I loved you on the stage, honest. No one could walk out and get the same reaction you could. Oh, now, please. I Dean. mean it. You're wonderful. I'll never forget the hush that used to fall over the entire audience the minute you told a joke. <laughs> 
Well, don't love me so much. Hate me a little, will you, please? Now, let's all kidding aside. What brought you two boys to my office? Well, Mr. Jessel, the reason we came to see you is uh, we want to talk to Mr. Zanuck. Well, I don't know about that, boys. Mr. Zanuck is a very hard person to see. But I thought he was looking for comedians. Jerry, that's not the way. Let me try. Look, Mr. Jessel, we know Mr. Zanuck is hard to see, but we figured he'd listen to a man of your ability, your superior stage presence, your captivating voice, and your good looks. Why... When you first, when you first walk in here, I thought you were Gregory Peck. Isn't that funny? Everybody makes that same mistake. <laughs> oh, Dean, I'm so unworthy of you. Boys, I'd like to take you in to see Mr. Zanny, but there are many complications. Now, let me ask you this. Would there be room for me to sing in your nightclub? You? Oh, if you sang, would there be room? Georgie, you mean you'd like to take my place and work up there with Jerry? I don't know if you could stay in a place, old man. I am not afraid to get up there with you, young man, provided you have your hair cut. That is hair, isn't it? What is that? Certainly it's hair. It looks this way because I'm growing my own beret. <laughs> you shouldn't make fun of my head. Yesterday I went to a fortune teller who reads the bumps on people's heads, and he read mine. Now, what did he say? My head has the same plot as I was a male war bride. <laughs> Boys, let's not beat around the jokes. Now, I tell you what I'll do. I'll get you in to see Mr. Zanuck if you let me sing in your club. But we've already got a singer. Dean. Yeah, but he imitates Crosby. Look at me. I imitate anybody. <laughs> well, we'll do almost anything to get in to see Mr. Zanuck. Well, don't make it sound so awful. Remember, I've had quite a reputation as a singer. They even made a motion picture about me. Jessel sings again. <laughs> Wait, I thought that was Jolson Sings Again. The same thing. Listen. California, here I come. Right back where I started from. Open up that golden gate. California, here I come. Gee, isn't it nice? He's got an orchestra in his office. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like that? Yeah, just shake it down We'll remove the shingles in the morning <laughs> Georgie, what will it help if you sing like Jolson? Well, I don't have to sing like Jolson It just happens that we took from the same tonsils, that's all As a matter of fact, I can be Eddie Cantor The main difference between us, he has daughters I had wives Listen to this If you knew Susie like I know Susie Oh, 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 what a girl I had a mustache as cute as a pup Susie kissed me, and she went to dancing up with you, new Susie, like I know Susie. Oh, oh, what a girl! Well, Jerry, what do you think? Shall we let him sing in the club? What do we need him for? I can do Jesso. Listen to this. One bright and guiding eye That got me wrong from right I found in
I guess it's all settled. Now, here's what we'll do. I'll tell Mr. Zanuck that I want you boys for a picture. My new picture, Moon Over the Catskills. I'll tell Zanuck, Zanuck, this will be a bigger hit than Oh, You Beautiful Doll on my next picture, Dancing in the Dark. See, then it looks like I'll finally get a chance to sing for Mr. Zanuck. Yeah, that'll be wonderful. Here we go. Right down this hallway. Gosh, this is a wide hallway. Yes, yeah, the widest hallway I've ever seen. Well, you see, wide hallways are part of our plan here at 20th Century Fox. It gives the stenographers a sporting chance. <laughs> when they walk by the producers, you know. You mean the producers chase the stenographers? He's young, isn't he? <laughs> Uh, Mr. Jessel, are you sure Mr. Gruskin will see us? Of course. Now, come on, fellas, and step lively. Hey, looky. Look who's coming down the hallway. Oh, yeah. Get a load of them high heels. Hiya, hop along. <laughs> Howdy, boy. I love those cowboy boots. Oh, be quiet. Now, listen. Boys, here we are. Remove your hats. We are standing in front of the office of Mr. Valadir Gruskin. Say, Mr. Jessel, this seems pretty easy. Can anyone just go into Mr. Gruskin's office? I should say not. Mr. Gruskin is one of the world's most carefully guarded executives. He is, huh? Now, come on. I'll open his office door. It's mighty Joe Young. Hi, right. right, Jerry. <clears throat> Mr. Gruskin, may I present Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Gentlemen, Mr. Vladimir Gruskin. Georgie, I told you before not to bring bookies into my office. <laughs> bookies? Mr. Gruskin, we are actors. Actors? <laughs> sure, ain't we, Dean? <laughs> well, of course. How now, brown cow? <laughs> Now, look here, Georgie. I'm a very busy man, and look, I can't... Look, look, look. You've got to give these boys a chance, Mr. Gruskin. They're really great actors. They can do anything. From Barry Fitzgerald to Clark Gable. These boys are... I got to agree with you, Dammy boy. Another time that I'm really going to see you, but I don't know now. Hello, baby. Now, just a minute, boys, and give Even me... Even though I'm never going to see you, but I don't know now. Hello, baby. <laughs> don't overdo this thing. Even though I'm Goodbye, baby. Oh, shut up! <laughs> My job is at stake. You've got to just give Georgie, me... Georgie, I'm a very busy man. If these boys have any acting ability at all, please have them do a scene for me. A scene? Mr. Gruskin, these gentlemen have a whole screenplay they're going to do for you. They have a movie all planned out. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Now, go ahead, fellas. This is your big chance. Okay, here we go. Now, just imagine this, Mr. Gruskin. We're inside a movie theater. One of the biggest movie theaters in the whole world. The lights go dim. The title of the pictures flashed on the screen. 20th Century Fox presents that great picture that all the world has been waiting for. Bulldog drumming bites laughing. <laughs> the greatest picture ever made. It's colossal. It's terrific. Gigantic! It's sensational! It's a re release. <laughs> but it's the greatest picture that was ever made. Just look at the cast Martin and Lewis, Gary Cooper, 
Martin Lewis, Ingrid Bergman, Martin Lewis, Ronald Coleman, Martin Lewis, Joan Crawford, Martin Lewis, James Mason, Martin Lewis, Cordy Colbert, yeah, Martin Lewis, yeah. oh, wait a minute. George Raff, Martin Lewis, Reddy Young, Martin Lewis, Spencer Tracy, Martin Lewis, Jennifer Jones, Martin wait Lewis. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's the matter? Don't you like Jennifer Jones? <laughs> Here, I'm a busy man. Now, just a minute. Boss, this is a great street. Now, let the boys tell it to you. Believe me, this is what the studio needs. Go ahead, boss. It is? Very well, then. Continue, gentlemen. Thanks, boss. Now, the picture begins. What a story. What a story. Picture, if you will, a small, dirty room in a broken-down tenement house. A young girl is sitting in a broken-down chair next to a broken-down table. She is holding a broken-down baby. (laughs) And now... Now comes the real dramatic part of the story. Yes. This is a tragedy that happens every day. It's the story of a young girl with an unmarried baby. <laughs> now, look here, George. This joke has gone far enough. Take these bookies out of here. <laughs> they can do something else besides not acting. Yeah, we're singing. <laughs> He finally got a funny line. Let him keep it. Johnny Newcomer. Well, I don't want to hear any singers. But we're good singers. I don't want to hear any singers. But, boss, the boys and I have whipped up a little arrangement to sing. I don't want to hear any arrangements. I hate singers. But this song is Oh, You Beautiful Doll, a song from the picture, my picture, Oh, You Beautiful Doll, a 20th Century Fox production. Well, what are we waiting for? I love it. What do you think? Yeah, uh, what did you think? You all like it, Mr. Gruskin? <laughs> yes, sir? Yes, sir? Get these bookies out of here. Now, just a <laughs> what about me? My face is in the balance. Am I still a producer or what am I? Georgie. Yes, boss. Here's $2. Put it on citation to win. Thank Good you. night, Georgie. Thanks for everything. Good night, everybody. See you next week, everyone. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.